Joining me now for today's episode of Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. Before getting into today's content, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs hosts you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. We got through that. So, so we did that. But um, just we're starting off today with someone who, I mean, the Florida Gators were a hat on the table, despite him saying that he was a Central Florida uh, silent commit for months in John Walker because he, he's, he's been there. And Florida Gators fans are starting to be like, ah, do we have a chance? So, John, do we have a chance? A chance, yes. Look, he, he took a visit after the UCF verbal commitment. I believe it was the Kentucky game. He's planning to get back to campus, maybe for an official down the line. So, yeah, you, you've got a chance. He's an in-state kid. He was a priority prospect. Now, you have since bolstered the entire D-line from a recruiting perspective. So, you, you, you maybe don't uh, feel – I don't want to say desperate because you're never desperate, but you, you don't feel as needy for him. But you would certainly still like him. And, and again, you know, he's he's an in-state kid uh, at a premium position. And he's, he's really darn good, as high a floor as an interior D lineman as, as there is in this class. Uh, so naturally, yeah, you, you've still got a chance and, and you're still involved, right? The coaches have been out to see him. He has reciprocated with a visit already. Another one in the works. You're always in it if that is the case. Obviously, his buddy, Jakeem, is, is still on board with UF at this point, too. So I think all of that still, you know, looks favorable for the Gators. But John's also saying all the right things about UCF in the process. Uh, so I do think that's that's still noteworthy here. Um, I know Ohio State was in it uh, just like Florida was and, and felt confident just like Florida did before, you know, he, he pulled the trigger to stay home. So you wonder if those coaching staffs are still on it at the same clip. No disrespect to Gus Malzahn and company, but I do think they feel like they could flip him potentially down the line. Uh, so I expect Florida to continue to at least effort flipping uh, John Walker. And as long as he keeps showing that interest in taking visits, you, you've got to uh, continue to recruit him and feel like the Gators do have a solid chance. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Florida since John Walker's commitment, Florida's uh, added quite a few guys along the defensive line. How does he kind of fit in skill set wise? Because we know that there's certain guys who are better run stoppers, better pass rushers. Where does he fit in skill set? He's more classic, kind of old school interior SEC guy, a guy who's elite at the point of contact. He's a block shedder, a run stuffer. Uh, He's got enough quickness to get after the passer and or collapse the pocket from the interior. But he's a guy that you're you're not going to move around a ton. You're going to let him do what he does best against their biggest and their best on the opposing offensive line. You know, I think that that's what you want, right? Because you've got variants in this this commitment list, right? You've got Cam James, who's kind of an inside-out type, high ceiling, we don't know what he's going to be yet kind of guy. Kelby Collins is the opposite. We already know outside in. He's proven it week in, week out as, as one of the, the more elite prospects. And then you've got a different type of pass rusher beyond that on the commitment list. So a true interior guy who – we have no questions about where he's going to play or what he's good at. I think would be a nice kind of finishing touch to this Gators defensive line hall. Um, and I think he would fit with some of these other prospects that are currently on board. Again, you want guys with a high floor and another group with a high ceiling. Walker is certainly in that high floor uh, grouping. And then there's another defensive lineman who's not an in-state kid, but that we've been talking about a bit with Quay Rousseau, who's 
got a visit set up for Florida again. And I, I'm a little interested in this one because uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was initially a, a package deal kid taking the visit by himself now. And I believe he was the one more interested in yeah. Florida. So how has that changed, if at all? Yeah, you look, package deals are tough to, to see through. I, I, I do, and I, I did, I should say, feel like if there was one in this class, it would be these two with, with Rousseau and, and James Smith, his teammate, his, his closest friend. But yeah, I think it was always apparent, and we talked about it, that he was more interested in Florida than James was. I said that he was going to pull or try to pull James for another Florida visit, and James was going to try to pull him for an Ohio State trip because his family's from Ohio, where, well, Quay's dad is from Florida, and he's a big Gators fan. So naturally, the family pull there is, is going to resonate. His dad, I was told, said, hey, I'm not going on any trips. It's your deal. But when you go to UF, give me a call because I'm going to take that trip because I'm a big Gator fan. So that stuff resonates. That, that trip for FNL was Quay's first time in Gainesville as a recruit. Uh, so naturally, it was always going to be about could UF – land an official that was going to be you talk about its chances it was always going to be contingent on the official could you get him in particular on campus smith would be a heck of a bonus uh, to, to jump in with but it was really always about quay just from a a, a realistic uh, scenario now bama's still there they were just there last week auburn is still the local school um, that is going to contend to a degree georgia also got them campus in the offseason so this is as heavy hitter a recruiting battle as there is but we have seen florida go head to head with some of these programs and come out victorious and they're still quay's not the only one they're still in the thick of it for relative to some of those programs so i do think get the visit make sure he takes it and, and you see where you stand but but look florida has been always has always been able to pick and prod in alabama we keep talking about it year in, year out. Kelby Collins is already on the commitment list. Look at what Shamar James is doing as a true freshman. You know, even going back to the Jawan Taylors of the world who trained with the same group that Quay and James trained with. Um, Mac Wilson trained with them as well. Remember, Florida was his leader, his whole recruitment until the very end when he picked Alabama. A lot of those guys that train with the Manhouse crew have an affinity towards UF and they are efforting some of this uh, on their end relative to Quay Rasaw's recruitment. So this is more than a puncher's chance. This is something that does have some traction. They're a legitimate dark horse in this race. Now, they're not the favorite, right? I think Bama, Georgia, that's that's stamped at the top of this thing. But you can now start to form the opinion that Florida could be in a better position than the in-state Auburn Tigers for you know the top available recruit in the state. And that's not something we were saying a month, two months ago. So clearly things are headed in the right direction. And one more defensive lineman to talk about here. We, we've talked about John Walker, who is committed, and we want to flip. We've talked about Quay Rousseau, who is not committed. Now, Tamarian Parker did decommit already. Billy has shown a tendency to try. I don't know what it is with Penn State, but he hates them. He should, he's just trying to take every every recruit or commit that they want. What's the latest on Tamarian Parker? Yeah, how about Penn State getting early commitments, man? They, they do a good job. Obviously, holding on is, is a different type of scenario but yeah parker has has been another one who he's elevated programs are viewing him higher than they did um last year and it's caused his offer list to grow and the schools are efforting you know more consistently beyond that uh so clemson jumped in with an offer right around the time he decommitted and, and really from that point it felt like okay he's gonna end up back in the south right he's a phoenix city kid 
a high school teammate of, of uh, Gator favorite AJ <laughs> Harris. Um, you know, so I, I do think there's some, some, you know, geographical ties to that region that are going to resonate. Right. So, so that Alabama up to South Carolina, down to Florida corridor are, are going to be popular for Parker in terms of visit destinations going forward. He's going to get back to Florida one more time. They have been consistent with him. Uh, Clemson is the school, the, the new school, I would say, to keep a close eye on. You wonder if Alabama and Auburn are going to start to double down in this recruitment now that he's back on the market as well. Georgia was involved as well. So again, same programs we keep talking about Florida competing with, and that's okay. Again, you want to get back to the top. These are the roads that you got to go through from a recruiting standpoint, but it looks like Parker's going to take his time and it looks like he's going to take all his visits this time around after making that early call for, for Penn State. And I think that's good news for the Gators. I think they need another visit. They need more traction and they probably need to know where they stand with others before he gets on campus, particularly fellow Alabamian that we just talked about, Quay Rousseau. All right. Uh, John, do you like money? Just a quick question. I do. I, you know, it's it's a necessary evil, but you know, it's fun sometimes as well. All right. Well, we're going to talk about how you can make more with Underdog Fantasy, and then we're going to talk about this 2024 recruiting class, Underdog Fantasy, because this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, and it's the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It's easy to play and win cold, hard cash in a single game i know last week i said i was going to take montreal johnson but i decided not to because i was like you know what this is probably going to be a shootout so far i'm just going to throw the ball so i took justin shorter's receptions and receiving yards and um money like that's that's the only way i could put it for you money so underdog you have been so kind to me thank you very much and it's fun because it's it's a fantasy platform that has a fun user experience. I will always, always, always say that I love their little share feature and how the screenshot looks. Something about it is just so aesthetically pleasing to me. So I love it. And their support team has been awesome. Sign up with the promo code locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100 and you get another $100 free with promo code locked on. We're back with Locked On Gators. Still here is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And we're looking ahead to 2024. We've talked a lot about 2023. And there's one name that has been attached to Florida for a bit with 2024. He's uncommitted right now. But DJ Lagway, one of the top quarterbacks in the 2024 class that has pretty openly expressed interest in the Florida Gators. What's the latest on him? Well, look, he's got 10 schools that he is officially trimming his list down to. And that might sound like a lot, but when you're a legitimate star, young dual threat in the state of Texas and everybody has eyeballs on you in the class of 24, getting to 10 is, is not easy. And, and it's a heavy hitting list. Again, it's kind of the theme of today's show uh, on with you, Brandon. Big boys all across, you know, this list of of, of favorites. For DJ, uh, you know, Georgia's there, Alabama's there, USC, Texas, Texas a and it, It's all the usuals when we talk about a big-time quarterback recruit. But Florida has always had this in with him. You know, when he got the offer, I know he tweeted, blessed to, you know, receive an offer from my dream school. And everybody's like, this kid's from Texas. Like, what do you mean? You know, and he's since reciprocated it with, with at least one more visit for FNL. It looks like they're going to try to get back to campus for another visit this fall. So Florida, again, is, is really in the thick of this thing. Uh, optically, you might not assume as much with a kid from Texas, uh, but this is something that has, has been growing really 
over the last year, really from the moment Billy Napier and company took over, attach what we thought, right? You know, the 23 recruiting cycle at quarterback was tough, right? You, you shoot, you, you, you shoot your shot with big, big names. It doesn't work out, the whole Jane Rashada thing. And you end up flipping Marcus Stokes kind of on the back end of the trajectory of the plan. So naturally, when when it's up and down in 23, what do you do? You double down for the next cycle. You're like, hey, let's identify our guy and let's go. And I think in 2024, Florida's done a really good job pushing for DJ early. There was even some buzz at FNL like, hey, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if he committed. And, and that was such big news to me. I'm like, whoa, the Gators are really at the forefront of this thing more so than just another hat on the table. Look, a and going to be in it. His dad played at Baylor. They're still in the conversation. And, and again, we talked about the national list he has. So maybe there's still a lot to figure out for DJ, but – Regardless of when he trims again and when he gets to his final stages, Florida's going to be in the thick of that thing. And I think they'll get another visit in between now and then, which is just about all you could ask for, given the logistics there uh, in coveting a quarterback. But Florida's not going to make the same, I don't want to say mistakes, but they're not going to handle the quarterback search the same way, at least from a timeline perspective, that they did in, in 2023, which was Understandable, right? Transition coaching staff trying to finish the 22 cycle as soon as you, you got on board and moved to Gainesville. So naturally, 23 was going to be slow in some areas. They don't want that to happen again in 24. And clearly, DJ Lagway is their guy at the quarterback position early uh, in the cycle or early in, in how the cycle is developing. So I think that's going to maintain itself going forward. And, and I don't think they'll move on to another target until he he makes a call one way or the other. And now Florida specifically when talking about quarterback has a few things, I don't want to say working against them, but a few things that are at least question marks. They don't have a proven quarterback developer on the coaching staff right now. Um, Even with the very talented dual threat quarterback right now in Anthony Richardson, the offense is very wide receiver screen heavy, not, not, not a highlight tape there for a quarterback. It's very run heavy. Haven't utilized Anthony Richardson's legs that much. How does that maybe impact the decision just all of those factors combined if you're a dual threat like dj lagway that's a great question and i think that's why him taking his time with the process and taking a ton of visits and really digging into these options is really important because if if the decision was going to come today you wouldn't feel as good maybe as it would as you would uh, going forward with him being a little bit more patient because that plan with anthony richardson almost needs to come to fruition fully to try to translate that to the next guy and the theoretical heir apparent, at least from a recruiting perspective, that DJ Lagway would be presented as. Uh, so I think the long game benefits Florida here because you're right. You know, I think a lot of these other programs, I mean, look, USC's on his list, proven, you know, quarterback development with Lincoln Riley, all that stuff makes a lot of sense. Some of the more high profile SEC offenses, you know, Georgia, Alabama are on there. Not a lot of question marks at those positions anymore, although you know, in years past we used to be like, they have everything but a quarterback. They have changed that narrative. And I think Florida's going to have time to change that narrative as well under Billy Napier. It's still so early. I know we get on these pods and, and Twitter, my God, it, it makes it seem like this is a 10-year thing. This is it's still closer to a 10-month thing with, with Billy Napier and company. So I think all elements of that are still TBD. And, and a kid like DJ Lagway, whose dad played college football, coming up in the state of Texas where football is king, they understand that there's a process to all of this. Uh, so I do think that it's a good fit with Florida in terms of being patient on both ends here. And you know, to, to wrap up today's show, we just talked about this offensive scheme not uh... – 
not being very explosive if you're a dual threat quarterback just for the rest of this the first third of the season for the Florida Gators really how has that kind of impacted recruits whether you see the the defense with busted coverages and you're a DB and you're like I I wouldn't do that I I can get on the field early when you're watching this defensive line get gashed in the second half because of the lack of depth there and obviously Florida's very very well equipped now with the recruiting class. Uh, no decommits, so that's fun, but also no commits so far from this season. So how has the first third of this Gator season kind of impacted their uh, their recruiting in terms of just perspective-wise? Yeah, I think on the front end and the positive end, Brandon, the Swamp has been pretty electric. I mean, that Utah game, I, you know, uh, of all the games I've watched on television this season, I had to turn down the volume on that one maybe the most, right? Um, and I think that is still such a big part of the presentation of Gator football. So having that type of excitement, anticipation, and in that game, execution, you know, I think was as ideal a start as as you could have hoped for. And that probably is still the first thing most Gator targets resonate with this season with the Gators. Now, there have been some stumbles since that point, some growing pains, and certainly some highs and lows. Uh, but again, you know, uh, a valiant effort against Tennessee. The competitiveness, the potential, appears to be there, particularly on offense. So I do think the the Gators are are going to carry the benefit of the doubt uh, in recruiting going forward. If it was a situation where you know, there was an embarrassing loss like like your neighbors uh, to the south there had just last week or just just a level of of a lack of competition. Right. Like we, we've seen some coaching staffs get fired. Right. Georgia Tech hasn't competed with anyone this year. That move was made. Nebraska has dropped every opportunity and every ball that they could have taken a step forward with. So they made a change for those opportunities. Those are more tangible negatives than what I've seen uh, at Florida. So it's not worrisome, although, again, the fan perspective might not equal the recruiting perspective, but I do think most recruits view this as an electric atmosphere, an ascending program that is going to kind of figure it out once everything is aligned under Billy Napier. That is still the prevailing thought from recruits, and it's why Florida's recruiting probably, I would say, better than most of us expected, certainly better than I expected relative to the late spring, early summer months. So I do think there's still some upward swing and trajectory in this this uh, class of 2023 and obviously we've talked about some big game fish that they're still after that they have legitimate uh chances for and we didn't even talk about Cormani McLean today so or Keon Kelly right so there's some big names that could still really push that perception but I think even without them it's still very much positive and upwards from the recruiting perspective at least and also just perspective wise of course the, the rivals for the Florida Gators, the in-state rivals. Obviously, Florida State has looked significantly better than I think any of us expected. Uh, I know way better than I thought they were. I thought they were going to be <laughs> god-awful. Uh, and Miami has looked, well, yikes. Um, so just how has in-state recruiting maybe shifted a little bit with Florida? You know, they won that Utah game, and that was a massive win. And then Kentucky, they come out and kind of uh, – poop the bed for lack of a better term there. Uh, so how has it kind of shifted just in state in general with kind of every team looking pretty different than expected? Yeah, that's, that's a really good way to put it. I think, look, with the first year staffs with Napier and Crystal Ball, there, there is an expectation and a, a um, cushion 
there to take your lumps, make your mistakes. Doesn't mean you should lose the Middle Tennessee, but there there's still a cushion of okay, well, you know, this is easy to to explain on how this is possible, even though it shouldn't have been probable in certain uh, standpoints, right? Because you compete with AM, probably a, probably should win the game at Kyle Field, and then the next week, you know, it, it was what it was. So I think there's that that juxtaposition ebb and flow is to be expected to a degree with first-year staff, just like you talked about with uh, the Utah game and then the Kentucky game. My gosh, I mean, it's as, as different as you could have possibly looked. So there's some understanding there with the first-year staffs. I think where the biggest benefit has become in the state is, is with FSU and Mike Norbell because you are now above expectation. You have – um, you have recruited uh, uniquely, I think is a good way to put it, to where you, you've gotten guys to excel in, in very different ways. There's some portal success stories uh, at FSU. There's some high school success, success stories at FSU. There's enough young players playing where, where you could see that translating, and you're undefeated at this point. Long way to go in that regard, but this was a potential hot seat program six months ago. And now, or six weeks ago, and now all of a sudden FSU feels relatively stable. So I think in that regard, it, it will provide the biggest change in recruiting perception because I, I still think stability, just as much as NFL production, winning uniforms, NIL is all important. Stability is still so important because these kids want to play for the staff that's that's recruiting them, which is the most human and bare minimum expectation when you do sign with the school. So I think Florida State has corrected that part of it and and felt more stable than they have in the last, my gosh, uh, six or seven years, really since Jimbo left. The most stable they have felt is, is today compared to the last six or seven years. So that creates the biggest recruiting change when it comes to especially that senior class that's you know less than two, two and a half months away from making their final decisions permanent on signing day. Yeah. This was John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, Lockdowns Recruiting Insider. Thank you so much, John, and uh, we're, we can't wait to have you back next week where maybe we'll talk about Ken Kelly and Cormani McLean. <laughs> I, I expect it, Brandon. Appreciate you having me.